Thanks for tuning into Stacker Chats, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Muni Bali, Stacks founder. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks mainnet launched earlier this year. Believe it or not, this is the final Stacker Chat of the year. Um, it's been so lovely getting to know the community, both through questions, through more interviews, um, and from hearing from you guys on Twitter. And we'd really love to hear what you're interested in seeing from Stacker Chats uh, and would love to see your comments below. But Maneeb, to dive in, I wanted to spend some time reflecting on this year and sort of the highlights, the lowlights, and headlights as we transition into 2022. Yeah, I think I think this year was uh, definitely a lot happened this year. Uh, like I think if you just go back to uh, December last year, it's almost like hard to imagine right now, but the Stacks mainnet had not launched, right? So there was a, there was a lot of kind of like um, interest and also pressure on a lot of the open source developers who were building kind of like the public infrastructure. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were asking, when is the mainnet going to launch? I even made a website called When Mainnet. <laughs> and and uh, uh, so there was a lot going on. And obviously, the way this was launched in a decentralized way uh, people didn't know if independent miners are going to show up. Is there going to be interest in mining? How is the game theory going to play out? Uh, and, and the way that, you know, a lot of um, different blockchain projects that are kind of like more centralized, they can even do a controlled launch, right? Where they haven't fully gone public. They can just do almost like a controlled launch and then slowly open up the network. We we didn't want to do that, right? Like this was like, this is fully decentralized. Everything's going live on day one by independent miners. And after that, we can't make any changes. The the miners and the SIP process is going to dictate. So I think it was in many ways, like it was a very high stake type of a launch. And um, the consensus algorithm had never been kind of like, you know, tested out in, in production. So there was a, there was a, there's a lot of tension, a lot of stress, and it worked out really well. Like if you, if you look back, uh, imagine the different moving parts, like you're introducing a new programming layer for Bitcoin, like it's the first time that there's a consensus mechanism between Bitcoin and, and another layer. Uh, PUX is completely new. Like a lot of projects out there, they're basically kind of like EVM compatible proof of stake system, right? There isn't a lot of new technology that is actually being rolled out and Stacks, Stacks is not like that. Uh, same with the Clarity language, like it's a completely new programming language. The virtual machine for that was going live. And then very quickly, right after the, the mainnet launch went live, uh, there was the launch of stacking. Like I think there was a maybe a two-week, roughly a two-week period before the first stacking cycle was starting. And imagine like, like the amount of capital that is getting locked up in a Clarity contract. And it felt like almost like a second launch. So we, the people behind things had barely uh, taken a break. Uh, and I think it just felt like a one long, uh, almost like sprint uh, where stacking was going live for the first time. And uh, that was amazing. Like imagine that something like probably north of a thousand Bitcoin. So in USD value, like north of like $50 million has actually transferred to people as a Bitcoin reward. So imagine like how valuable Bitcoin is. And now some of the stacks holders have actually received like north of fifty million dollars worth worth of Bitcoin, right? And that's that's just amazing, and, and that 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 happened this year. And in terms of like um, you know people actually 
building interesting things on stacks. Um, imagine that the stacks accelerator did not exist before this year. So Trevor has been a supporter and a friend of the project for a while, but this is the year when Trevor kind of like decided to go full time along, along with other, other people in the stacks accelerator. Imagine like 25 plus startups came through uh, and now we have, you know, stable coins. Now we have NFT marketplaces. Now we have uh, Bitcoin NFTs were, were not a thing, right? Like uh, minus the rare Pepe's of the really early days, like the uh, the NFT action was only happening outside of Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin basically was seeing no share of it. And now because, because of stacks, like, NFTs are coming back to Bitcoin. And I think that was that was a really exciting thing to see. Um, in terms of like things that uh, that could have been better, uh, one thing is obviously the uh, SIP 12, right? Like there, there is there you could argue that some of the work that went to SIP 12 uh, could have gone live sooner in the in the sense that uh, maybe you know if there was more time before the mainnet launch. Uh, some of that work could have been done then, right? But it's it's easy to say that if you're actually the the a developer who's building these things, like these people have worked uh, relentlessly uh, throughout the year on 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 this stuff, right? So I think so, sometimes, like you know, if you're if you're just standing on the outside, uh, you could imagine that hey, maybe maybe this work could have could have happened earlier. But if you're actually like building stuff. You'd be like, no, the, the, it required the amount of time that it required because it's actually pretty, pretty, pretty hard work, right? So that's, I would say that with, uh, with that caveat in mind. Uh, and I think in general, I would say, uh, looking ahead, uh, the two biggest things for me are one, like I think obviously the stacks uh, main chain optimizes for decentralization. You can run the nodes and miners on a, on a Raspberry Pi if you want. And I think the next step is going to be the faster speeds and scalability that is going to come through subnets. So subnets are going to trade off some of the decentralization for faster speeds, which is the trade-off that all these faster chains are making, right? So we can bring it to the Stacks ecosystem, but then the developers will have the choice of, you know, they can withdraw their assets to the Stacks main chain, which is more decentralized and, 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 and keep them there. So faster speeds through subnets is uh, uh, a big headlight. And I think the second one is Bitcoin liquidity. Right, so right now you can pretty much like deploy Stacks capital into smart contracts, and this is not really what Stacks is about. Stacks is a programming layer. We want to enable Bitcoin capital to be directly deployed into smart contracts, and that piping and those dev tools and the the UX for users doesn't really exist. Right, like there are some very clunky raw type of things that people can do, but it's not ready for mainstream. Right, so imagine that uh, right now the limit of capital that can be deployed into smart contracts is basically limited by the market cap of Stacks. But Stacks is not the money layer. The money layer is Bitcoin here. And that's a trillion dollars of capital uh, that can be deployed into smart contracts. And I think really enabling that next year is going, going, to, be, going to be a huge thing. So I think those are the two things uh, looking into 2022 that I'm, I'm, I'm probably the most excited about. Thank you. And what are you viewing as important metrics for success and sort of growth in 2022 for Stacks? Yeah, so I think I, I'm a big believer in uh, focusing on, on things that matter in the long term, right? So uh, I'm very interested in looking at the number of developers and uh, 
uh, applications being built and the actual usage of those, those applications, right? So uh, we want to grow the developer ecosystem and we want to grow the Bitcoin economy. So the more use cases and the more applications there are, uh, the, the, the better it is, right? So I would say the first thing would definitely be like how many developers are really building stuff in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And that is something that I think the Bitcoin community just needs to admit that uh, over the past years, like most of the new developers have actually started going to other ecosystems inside of Bitcoin. And Stacks is trying to change that. And we are being successful in doing that. If you look at the number of developers that we are attracting into the Bitcoin ecosystem, like I'm, I'm actually very proud of that. So that is one, one metric. And then uh, it's not just enough to build things, right? Like uh, these things actually need to get used. So uh, the proxy for that would be things like, you know, uh, gas fees, for example, like if if people are actually willing to use these contracts, you would see like gas fees uh, go up and a healthy kind of like uh, marketplace to emerge for gas fees on the main chain. And then obviously subnets would provide low gas fees, fast transactions and other scalability solutions that would come in. So I would look at like actual usage of these applications as well. And there are different metrics uh, you can use to track like how, how much usage you're getting. For example, like daily active addresses uh, is a very interesting one. That means that hey, here are the people who are active on a daily basis, uh, proxy through through addresses, for example. Great, thank you. Now, there's been some discussion about the role of VCs in Web3 recently. Um, what's your perspective on, on that sort of debate? Yeah, I think uh, over there, a lot of the criticism, I think, um, is not valid in my view, like in the sense that those are things, like for example, if you're worried about VCs having a lot of uh, influence on a protocol, you can very easily measure that. Right? Like for example, if there's a protocol that where a, a ton of the distribution actually went to VCs, then obviously that protocol is under the control of a few, few, few VCs, right? But you can easily measure these things, right? Like, uh, like for example, uh, when we were launching, uh, there were two things that we did. One, we were limiting the maximum check size from any single party, right? So even if you're a large investor, you couldn't put more than a certain amount uh, of, of money, right? B, we actually opened up to the general public through the SEC qualified offering, right? Which is an opportunity that people don't get normally, right? Like if, if a new technology is coming out of Silicon Valley, it's always private rounds by VCs. And VCs actually end up owning a large percent of those companies, right? And they do have influence over there. So if anything, from my observation, the influence of VCs in Web3 protocols has been drastically reduced because they own less, they, can, they don't have board seats, they don't have like other types of formal control. So these are liquid assets on the open markets. And by the way, whenever there's a liquid asset on the open market, anyone can build a position in it, right? True for Bitcoin, uh, VCs and hedge funds do own Bitcoin. They have built up positions in Bitcoin. Doesn't give them control over Bitcoin. Yes, maybe they have some control over trading, but then trading is a free market and it's a liquid enough market that it doesn't really matter, right? So in, in the criticism comes from, I think, earlier um, allocations to VCs when they're putting in capital and supporting the project when nobody else is, is willing to support it. That's that's the definition of venture capital, right? Like they're willing to take certain risks that nobody else is willing to take and they're willing to fund entrepreneurs. And they're obviously gonna do that for some financial incentive. I think where things can go wrong is if 
VCs own too much, if uh, you know there isn't a fair distribution, if they end up getting some sort of rights, which actually I haven't seen, that they are too powerful on the protocol. Like in in a, in a typical protocol, let's say, like for example, I know I know for a fact that in in the Stacks ecosystem, no single entity even owns ten percent of the supply. Owning more than ten percent of a public company is actually a pretty regular thing. Like it happens all the time, right? In in this ecosystem, a there's a ton of supply that only comes out as mining, and and b like we made sure that forget about investors. Investors are probably sitting at like low single digit numbers, even the large ones. But even in terms of entities, there's no entity that even owns like 10% of the supply. What kind of control are they going to have on the network, uh, right? Like it's, it's, it's like their control is much more reduced than typical Web2 type of companies, especially when their allocations are small, especially when there, are no, there is no board, the concept of a board. There's no concept of like voting rights. Like for example, look at the last uh, upgrade that happened. There were independent miners who came in and basically decided that this upgrade is going to happen. If VCs want to have a control over that, they would have to go and become miners, right? which they're not going to do, right? practically speaking. But then that's the beauty of the open source system. Like same in Bitcoin, if a bunch of VCs decide that we are gonna invest a lot of capital and start running Bitcoin mining and take over kind of like X percent of the Bitcoin hash power, they're free to do that, right? But but they're not doing it and they're not doing it in, in a lot of the Web3 protocols as well. Great, thank you so much. And um, last question before we wrap it up. I'm curious, how do you recharge for the new year? Yeah, so I think I have this habit of uh, just writing down in my journal and, and even, even for journals, like I think I just went back to like plain pen and paper. Like I, I, have, uh, I have some physical journals where I don't even like to have like even lines on it, right? It's like just blank white paper. And I would, I would just like try to write after meditating and uh, try to absorb like everything that has happened over the last year or so, which by the way, this year, I, I probably would have said it on some other uh, venue as well. Like I think when I, when I really look back, like there's so much to be grateful about. Like it's probably like one of the best years for this ecosystem, for uh, for everything that we were doing. Like imagine those were ideas and almost like paper designs and some code and it all came to life this year, right? And, and it's, it's not just about uh, seeing like your ideas actually turn into something real, but it's the impact that you're having uh, on, on, on the community and how enthusiastic our community members are who actually understand the power of what we are doing. I think our community is obviously relatively smaller, uh, but if you measure how excited they are and how uh, how much do they believe that this is the right way of doing things, uh, like that's that's the thing that I'm, I'm really grateful for. And then then I think next year uh, we would grow this community, right? We'll, we'll, we'll grow the number of builders and basically unlock the next level. But I don't think I would have asked for anything more uh, from this year. Incredible. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here, Maneeb. And thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Hero YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, please do that to make sure that you're subscribed for updates in the new year. And happy holidays, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year in advance. Thank you.